you know, you read somebody else's book and you're like, oh, if they got published, so can I, you know, you'd be that arrogant person. I don't know what you're talking about. I have never had that thought ever. No, never. Hi there, Edibuddies, and welcome back to the Edibuddies podcast. I'm Kara. I'm a fiction editor. And on this show, we talk about writing, editing, and the friends you can make along the way. My guest this month is a very close friend of mine, Jessica DeChaka. Jess and I have known each other since we were kids. And one of the things that we bonded over was a love of fantasy and games and storytelling. A few years ago, Jess wrote a novel and she asked me to read it and later to officially edit it. If not for that, this show and probably my whole career wouldn't exist. That novel is not yet published. Like many authors out there, Jess has yet to publish any of her work. And as you'll hear, she's got a lot going on, but she keeps writing and editing and hoping anyway, which I think a lot of you can identify with and is also really what makes a writer. You just keep going. My name is Jessica Deshaka. I'm right now stationed in Kansas City, Missouri, and I'm a proud mother too. Um, for my day job, I guess, not, not my superhero job, I am a middle school teacher. So I'm certified to teach K through 12 art, K through five elementary, and then high school English and history. Um, so I just finished up my master's and I'm planning on going for my doctorate here in the next three years to get that under my belt. And uh, English, as far as my degrees wise go, I am uh, have my bachelor's in fine arts, bachelor's in K through 12 education, uh, communications, business and English. So English was definitely in there uh, for a while. So wait, how many degrees do you have? So just undergrad, like bachelor's degree, I have fine art from the Art Institute. And then from Park University, I didn't know what I was going to do at this point. So I had a lot of credits. So I had a bachelor's in K through 12 education to pair with my fine arts. And then I also ended up getting one in communications, business and English because a lot of the classes overlapped. And if I timed it just right, I could like graduate one semester with a couple degrees and the next semester with another bachelor's degrees because it all rolled into each other. So you essentially were able to collect multiple degrees by like stacking which like courses overlapped. Right. And like, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't like graduate with one too soon because then it would push me into a master's program. So it like all had to be within a year. So I had to make sure like, okay, this class, it was like a puzzle. Yeah. So like this class overlap with this class, but if I take it here, then I'm graduating five months here with this one. So yeah, it was kind of a staggered release project, but uh, yeah, I just graduated from Northwest with my master's in educational leadership and superintendent. My God. Okay. So <laughs> I didn't realize it. I didn't even realize it was that complicated. So yes, why did you decide I need to get all of these degrees? Like I, I, you just saw the opportunity and you were like, I might as well. Yeah. So like I, so I originally went into school with a bunch of scholarships for law. Um, so I was going to be a, um, like a child advocate lawyer, a protective uh, lawyer. So I really wanted to defend them uh, just based off of my history and my love for children. And then, um, Quickly in like that first year and I realized, wow, I'm not gonna be able to start a degree my career until I'm 35. I'm not gonna be in a good place. Like all these things and a family was huge to me and I didn't want to wait that long to have a family and to really be able to invest it, you know, and I wanted to go to their parties at school and things like that. So I ended up backing off there for a while. I got a job at Commerce Bank 
And then I was like, oh, I could do business. This is like easy money. I can work my way up really fast here. And then I realized I hated, I went and did a couple semesters there and I hated, you know, accounting and all that. Uh, so yeah, I kind of switched focus. Communications, English, those degrees pay very close um, with each other as far as credit wise goes. And I already had a lot of that under my belt. And then, yeah, I kind of took a hiatus from school, was like, what the hell do I love? And it became art kind of took me back to my childhood. And I was like, okay, now with this, how am I going to make money? So that's where like the rest of them kind of came into play. Gotcha. Okay. So you, I, I see, I can kind of see how this, there was like a snowball effect that happened. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So then how did you end up with writing? I mean, it seems like you had a lot of different interests. You had a, you know, you're like, okay, I love art and then I'm going to teach art so that I can make money out of art, which I love. But then you have this other expression of art through writing that you also love and also reading. I know you're a huge reader. So where did that piece come into all of it? I didn't fall in love with reading until I was in fourth grade. Um, I actually hated it before then. And uh, my my parents came on like in a September, beginning October to my parent teacher conference. And my school had had this book thing going on where you read um, like 80 books by October and you get to go on to you get to go meet all these authors in Warrensburg College. You get to go visit a college. It was like it was a really big festival going on. And so it was September and my parents come in and they didn't know about it because I didn't tell them because I hated reading. And so then what did my parents proceed to do? They did both. They were divorced at the time. So this happened at both houses. There was no safe haven. Um, They shoved books in my face. I went to the library every other day and I basically read those 80 books within a month. Whoa. At a fourth grade reading level. So that's literally all I did. Like I, it was like my dark ages, but in reality it was my renaissance um, because I fell in love with reading and I just couldn't stop afterwards. My parents really never let me watch a whole lot of TV, but you know, when I did watch TV, I was always interested in like Dawn and all these other like sci-fi fantasy shows. I love Star Trek. Star Wars has always been, that's my, that's my callus. Like that's my foundation for everything of star wars um just love the world build it building and how you could easily escape and become anything in that type of world and i i also love the fact that it had no limitations like you know as long as you had some rationale to explain it even though it may have not made sense to most people but it made sense to you and we could follow it you know it became sci-fi fantasy and went throughout my years i always like had on my checklist to write a book that's kind of been on my bucket list and I re- wrote a lot in high school. Like um, Twilight was my inspiration in high school. I'm ashamed to admit. But there's there's nothing to be ashamed of. First of all, because <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't on the premise of Twilight, but it had vampires in it because that was like the thing back in the early 2000s. Oh you know what I mean? God, yes. Yeah, it was like between Buffy and like you know True Bloods, and then the Twilight series, and of course Anne Rice had always been Anne Rice. I grew up with her. Uh, my mom and my dad both loved her. So they own every book. Every time her books came out, they were in line waiting for them. And I snuck them and read them, even though they're highly inappropriate for children under the age of 16. Um, but moving on. But also those <laughs> books, I feel like if you grew up reading Anne Rice, it's kind of like, oh, I know everything about you, you know, like yeah. <laughs> because they're written in such a specific way and they appeal to such a specific kind of person, you know, with that flair for, yes. like you said, the world building, but also the like the darkness and the dramaticism and the, you know, like the, all of that stuff. I, I And I see so much of that in you in, and in your writing as well. And I see that influence. I feel like it comes out like everywhere. Like I, you know, it's kind of like that obsession with like, you know, I was raised in a religious household, so it was always the obsession of the opposite. Like, you know, what is there? My my mom's side is from New Orleans, uh, from the French mm-hmm. Quarter. And so, it, you know, just all that things in here, my nanny stories and, um, you know, 
how, how it was and then listening to Anne Rice's and then learning about it in history with all, you know, with all the historical landmarks and, you know, events that happened there. It just kind of became an obsession. I've always kind of leaned my interest towards more of the darker things that scare me. And I, you know, step a foot, you know, and maybe take a footstep too far into that dark pool. You know what I mean? But I'm able to get myself out real fast. So yeah, it's always kind of been an obsession. Um, and then, yeah, so like I was saying, I, I wrote in high school, uh, one of my best friends used to sit in Spanish class and read everything for me. And, uh, then I kind of faded off in college and then followed my degree in teaching, uh, became a mom of two and ended up staying home with them. And during COVID, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I wrote my first book series. I think I'm like three books in on that one. And it's needs to be completely chopped and re-edited. You, you kind of got through that first one. <laughs> okay. So, so let's slow down here, first of all, because sure. I need, because I, I remember you telling me when you wrote your first book and you're like, I've written a first book. How many words was it? Mm. So I, don't, I think it was before the first edit. Like this was the first edit. I think yeah. I was at like three, 305,000 words. That's what I had. I had 310 written down because that's what yeah. I remembered. <laughs> yes. So somewhere around that. You know how insane that is. Yes. At, well, now, especially because here's the thing, like I dove in, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like get this published. This is just for me. Right. So I had no rules. And then I started writing it and I'm like, you know, I could do this here and I'm reading all these things. And, you know, you read somebody else's book and you're like, oh, if they got published, so can I, you know, you'd be that arrogant person. <laughs> doesn't work out I, like that. I don't know time. what you're talking about. I have never had that thought ever. No, never. Right. But yeah. And so then I started really getting into it and like I, I cut and I remember that first cut I ever did, you know, cause like when you're an author, you, you read your book, like, God, I think I'm up to 19 times at this point. And I even haven't read the most recent edit you did last year before, you know, my life got crazy with school and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah. So like you read it over again, that first edit, I think I got it down to like two thirty five. I was so proud of myself. And I was like, that's it. I got this. I'm done. And then like, I look it up and they're like, first time authors should be no more than in this genre, 85,000 words. And I'm like, I just felt sick. Right. Like I was sick because I was always already in like book three of this series and like so invested. And like, I dreamt about these people and I was, were these people, you know? And, and so then I was like, you know what? We just need to cut our losses here. So I kind of started doing some research. I actually read A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass um love actar and all that and all those acronyms um she's like definitely my favorite author at this point uh, definitely one of them and yeah i read hers kind of fell in love with that and i've always you know that we have like thor and all of those nordic god movies going on to where they're relevant right now and i was like well let me do the research because i always know all these folklores have a dark side to them and we always see these pretty sides like you know sparkling vampires uh type mm-hmm. of situation and it's really never the case with these fairy tales and folklores like they're very morbid and uh, crazy so i went down the research rabbit hole um I, I have like a whole yellow legal pad just full of notes about mythical creatures like fairies and woodland creatures and just like uh you know uh, water spirits and things like that and how they're all just morbid they're very cynical they're very anti-christ they're very like all these things um but they they these myths have been here even before the catholic church arose so yeah i became obsessed with that and i was like i'm gonna write it the way it's supposed to be written you know and and of course i romanticized the main characters and their evilish deeds but for the most part all of the other people that they interact with in the world you know they're very hunger driven, sex driven, power driven. Like that's what all these characters are. So you really see that. And that's where I think I push my genre um, that I'm kind of targeting towards into that dark 
fantasy um that's because it's a little bit more brutal at times and you see the realization of what these people grew up with not what disney and all marvel and all these other things have created yeah you don't get the sanitized like children's folktale version you get like when these people were gods you know this right. is the kind of stuff that they were people with the tales with the people were telling so i'm curious i mean you are such a prolific writer you just get these ideas and they just pour out of you that's just like which there's you know a lot of people who will listen to this who will be cursing you for <laughs> for that but i it's it's always one or the other it's it's always Either you have too much and you don't know how to cut it down or you have too little and you don't know how to get it out, right? Every writer has a different yeah. struggle. What does writing, like the, the process of sitting down and writing and getting the characters on the page, like what does that do for you? What what drives you to do that? Um, So I have a wild imagination. And I honestly, sometimes it scares me because I use my imagination for anything in life. So like when I get depressed or I'm not happy, I kind of go into my mind and I can disappear. And I think as a child, that probably was a coping mechanism. And I think that's also why I maybe am drawn so much to the sci-fi fantasy world, because those were the things that I fell in love with and could escape in when I was little. Sure. And so like the, these characters, like when I started um, my first book series, I had actually had a dream that connected a couple of plots. And so I kind of sat down and started being like, okay, what can I do? Where can I go? Um, but then my second book, which is really the love of my life, <laughs> I shall say, um, because I'm, I feel like I'm so invested and I'm definitely going to, by the time I die, I'm going to do something with this book, right? Uh, somebody else is going to see it but outside of the two of us and my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that book, I sat down and I, I always, I'm like, okay, names, people automatically are attached to names. So I'm sitting down and I'm like, okay, I start doodling off some names that I like, you know, some very fictional names. I was raised with Jessica. I graduated high school with 19 Jessica's. My name is boring. We want something mythical and, you know, exotic. So yeah, yeah I sat down with those names and I started making charts of families of who was what. And I kind of started plotting from there and I knew the focus of what I wanted to go with. And I wanted to go with the darker version of the more elven, um, elven type of world um, with different realm building and things like that. And I knew I wanted to go there. Um, and then, I don't know, I just sat down and I just start writing, right? And I'm like, I know the characters of the main plot. Now, what is, you know, or I know the qualities, I should say, the characteristics of the main character, right? But what is going to make her different? And I didn't want to do something so similar, like, oh, her parents died. She's an orphan, blah, blah, blah. Even though my mine is technically an orphan. Uh, and, you know, things like that for a while. We'll, we'll get to that point later. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Don't get yeah, too yeah. much away. I always want to make them like a female. I kind of pour myself into that person because I, I feel like you know, as a book, you, you don't really catch on to those characters unless you can see yourself in that, that character that you're following along with and hitched on for the ride. So I started pouring a lot of qualities in myself, the things that I was insecure about. And, you know, at, in the very beginning, definitely she's a lot of um, like a, a big reflection of myself and who I was at that point. Um, you know, always a protector, you know, never protected type of situation, always fighting for, you know, survival and things like that. And then eventually I develop her in a way I, I incorporate some of my own traumas into my life from my life into her own. And then I build her up in the way that I want to eventually become. And so from there, yeah, this world just started this one, this book, I think I wrote in, a, in just under a week. I literally slept maybe three hours a day. Like I could not stop writing. And I could just like, it was just pouring out of me. And the thing was, was like, I could not sleep because once the story got started and all these characters came into play, I loved them so much. Like I didn't want to miss a beat with them. So I just kept, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to forget this. I have to keep going. And so I literally pushed myself, I think for six days and it was during, you know, COVID. Um, and there was one little coffee shop in Liberty open and I sat down hammer hand. So <laughs> call out. But yeah, I sat down there until they closed one time the 
the owner like shut the lights off and I was still in the back with my headphones in and I just, I could not stop, you know? And then from there, the, the basic story is born and then you have to go back and add it, you know, edit a couple of things. I remember one of the main characters um, of the book that he, he was never on paper. He was supposed to be killed off and be done. And he was never supposed to have a reoccurring, you know, part. And then all of a sudden he, you know, I was like, okay, I need something extra to really turn this plot around. Cause every book is supposed to have a miniature plot inside of a larger plot. And um, I was like, oh, he can be it. Here we go. And this is how we can incorporate. And then I fell in love with his character. Now he's one of my favorites. So, you know, it's yeah. just. Not the whole, that, that is so, that is the process of creation, right? Is the unexpected things that can happen when you look back at what came out of you and be like, oh, I can speak this or I can do that. Like, that's what I love about the editing process is mm-hmm. being able to take what you started with and then, you know, grow from there. So when you wrote the book in a week, how long has the editing process taken you? Right. So I think the first time around, like I edited a couple of times, um, two or three, you know, just for punctuation, validity, consistency, things like that. Um, and then I had someone else listen to it while I read it to them because I think that reading out loud is very important. You need to see how conversation flows on paper, how stupid it sounds if you say it out loud because God forbid you're in front of people and you have to do a book reading, <laughs> you know, things like yeah. things of that nature. Right. Um, and then from there, uh, yeah, I, I think you read it once you were another person that read it once, um, just for validity sake. And I knew you were going to be like, really, you know, cutthroat with me and brutal. Cause you know, I was like, I told you to, um, but also, you know, you just, you're like, if this isn't good, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> so I can trust you in that retrospect, uh, yeah. to be honest. And yeah. And then after that, my life kind of got in the way. And so I've been back into that survival mode, kind of like my main character, um, and then I ended up deciding to go back to school this past year. So for what, that was, I think I wrote that book in April of 2021. And then I, my life started getting crazy, probably October of 2021. So I had to take a step back and just focus on that. But um, when you started up your business, you know, you're, you asked me if I, my, one of my books could be your first run through. And so I was like, heck yes. So yeah, we just went through and it's another editing process to go through now. So, I mean, I like, basically begged you because I was, yeah, like I was just realizing that that's what I wanted to do. I had read your book, but I had really only looked at it. When I read your book for the first time, I wasn't trying to be an editor. I was essentially being like a beta reader for you. Mm -hmm. And it was like a whole year, a year and a half later when I was starting my business. And I was like, all right, please let me edit your book. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't have to think that hard. (laughs) Just please let me. And it was such a good experience for me because um, it gave it just gave me a lot of confidence, you know, like I knew I was a good editor. I knew I was good at like reading and and giving comments and giving brutal feedback. Right. (laughs) But but taking on something like a novel is a whole other thing, Um, you know, and it was six. Was it sixty five thousand seventy five? How many words was it? No, mine's, mine's right about, it was probably at 87 at that point, 80, I think. Oh, 85. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've, I've so, edited it down to about 83 right now, but yeah. It's... Yeah. Um. So that was, it was a daunting task, but I was really, I felt really lucky to be able to, you know, take that on and, and knowing that you would also give me good feedback and everything. So to that end, um, what was it like? Well, first of all, just what was it like being edited, like having someone else actually come in and edit? for you you know what was it what about it did you expect and what was not expected for you um so I will go with what I was not expecting 
So honestly, I was not expecting, and this may be just like the fact that we had, you had already gone through once, but I was expecting a lot more edits, like corrections, you know, mm-hmm. when you were like really honest and you were like, no, it reads like a novel. Like it reads, like I just picked it up off Barnes and Noble bookshelf. I was like, oh, okay. Like, so like that gave me like the, the confidence. And I loved the fact, something that I did love um, just with your editing process and what you did is you not only pointed out what I needed to correct or suggestions you thought would make this you know story flow better. You also were like, Hey, that was so like, I did not see that coming. That was a great part. And so that was like, you know, going through that. I'm like, okay, edit, 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 edit. Oh, compliment. Whoa. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that's just like really important because, you know, when you give your baby essentially, cause like, you know, like I, I don't know how you can love a pack of papers, but I do like, I love my file on my computer. Um, it's, it's literally an emotion. Like it's like one of my children, you know, and it, I don't know. So like when you love something like that and you put so much work into it and you love these characters and it comes, you know, out of you because it's so personal to give that and hand that over to somebody else, you have to be very vulnerable and be like, okay, I'm choosing this person because I trust them, but I have to understand that they may come back and tell me they don't like this part. And this is my favorite. And so we got to like figure out why, is there a way that I can, and there was a couple of spots where a particular relationship, you know, at the very beginning of the book, you were like, I'm just not feeling it. What else can you give? in order to really make me feel it. Cause this character doesn't reappear until the end of the book next time. So like what, you know what I mean? And it was just, mm-hmm. it was one of those situations where I had to be really vulnerable with myself and like take that edit, not as an offense. Like you're not doing that to hurt me or be like your book's crap, you know, or anything like that. You're doing that to make me better. And as an objective standpoint, you're saying, I'm not feeling it here. Let me see why. And let's see if we can connect these dots. Yeah. That's, I love that you say that. Cause that's exactly what my philosophy is as, as an editor, you know, is, Like, I totally understand it's your baby. I, you know, and me knowing you so well and reading that character, you know, I knew it was you. Like, I could see, you know, like the survivor and the protector. And like, I could see all those traits of you coming out in this character. And it's like, there's no way I can like tear this girl to threads. Not that I, you know, I like, and not that I needed to, because, you know, you're not a terrible writer or anything like that. But even if you were like, when you are really getting authentic generally like the writing is good it's most of writing for somebody like you Mm -hmm. I feel like is stripping away the inauthentic stuff it's Mm -hmm. stripping away the pieces that you think need to be there in order to like dress up the writing or to like dress up the story and it's like no not so much like you can let some of the things that you think you're supposed to be doing go and just really be yourself on the page and let that vulnerability out and that's usually when it's best do you think that it was beneficial to have an editor who you were kind of close to or do you think it would be better to maybe have somebody who doesn't know you as well i mean honestly the first thing that comes to my mind is that it doesn't matter right like I think it just matters the quality of that editor Hmm. right and so like why I even asked you originally to edit my book wasn't because like we were best friends it wasn't that reason you know it was because like I I did know you you know and I knew your background like you love sci-fi fantasy just as much if not more as I do you know you're very rehearsed in it you read it a lot um, and so, you know, I, I picked you based off of my content and the fact that like, I knew, I know you're brutally honest and you're very intellectual to where like, you were going to catch things that maybe some people wouldn't, you were going to, you know, you want, like we, you question every sci-fi fantasy movie I think we've ever seen together. And we have a whole like two hour after dinner coffee talk about it. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, yeah. this is, this is. And so you catch all those little things. And like I said, validity is very important to me. And so mm-hmm. that was why I chose you. 
I guess it helped the fact that I did know you because I know all these things about you. But right, I mean, sure. I think, like as an editor, you want somebody who is passionate and loves your content um, along with the fact that they are a good editor. They have the skills to do so. And they're going to be honest with you. They're not just doing it for a paycheck. Like they're invested in, you know, the, the, the product that they're kind of pushing out and putting their stamp of approval on. Yeah. And I like that you say that because I do think that is the biggest thing about hiring an editor for yourself versus like, you know, if you go through the traditional publishing process, the editor is the editor, you know, like you don't really get so much a choice in that process. But when you hire an editor for yourself because you're really looking to improve your writing or because you're really trying to put something out there, you get to kind of make that choice and and make sure that you're getting somebody who's going to give you the style of editing that you really want. So let me ask you this. Besides publishing like you're not yet published you would like to be traditionally published at some point is that correct um yes except we met that you know we met that author when we went to the Fay ball this year for comic-con and i can't remember her name lexi lexi ryan thank you um yes. and i had just gotten done like i knew i was going to meet her so i went ahead and like slammed a bunch of her books um you know i slam books better than i do shots but <laughs> anyways besides what a little, a little salt to this conversation. Um. Anyways, so like I slammed her books back and she, when I, you know, I asked her, I was like, what, you know, any advice? She told me, she goes, don't focus so much on traditional publishing. She goes, mm. I have made more money off of self-published books. Like a couple of, I guess she had told me and shared with me a couple of publishing houses came after her and they could not match what she was making. Wow. Off of, you know I mean, because there's so many like less avenues and streams that you have to have your paycheck cut out to like a publishing mm -hmm. house versus like self-published you can fill all those voids together so you get that paycheck um so yeah so it honestly like hearing her say that and like I loved her books and like seeing how wide of genres she writes like she's mm -hmm. a little bit different in each one uh made me really like, excited to like get to know about self-publishing anymore so like you know I'm gonna go ahead and get my query letter together and push some some scripts out and things like that but um you know if that's the, you know, while that's cooking and waiting for those rejection emails, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go ahead and work on self-publishing because that with all our technology, that's really the way things are going. Besides that process though, like, obviously you want to get your writing in, in, in front of other people's eyeballs and find readers, you know, that's what we all want, but what else, like, you know, what other goal do you have for your writing? Like what kind of experience do you like want your readers to have and what do you really consider like success for yourself as a writer yeah I think um honestly like the reason why I be I'm trying to become I should say uh, and I love writing um is the fact that like I love it when you get done with like a good book and you one you either feel like you lost your whole family because you got to go back and reread it again because they're gone right the story has ended or two you were just like so breathtaking like with the the story and the way that the writer writes that you're just like wow like you're just you're left speechless and I, I mean I don't know I am a book nerd so that may be a book nerd speaking because like people do that with movies um and but yeah that's what I do like that's how I know like and I, I want other people to experience that feeling and I want to be able to give them that you know because I feel like I I love writing I love what I do I, I love my stories I just want you know when you love something like a new recipe or a new new bar down the street, you know, you want to share it with other people. And so yeah. that's kind of like same thing I want to do with my readers. I want them to, to take away just an awing experience. And I also, you know, I'm a teacher. I want the kids to get back into books. You know, I want their, mm. their, you know, the screens are not doing anything for them. Like I see it firsthand, you know what I mean? And so like books are where it's at. Books are where people question things and get ideas and have time to go back and edit and rethink and compare and, 
you, you hear a voice. I think that you don't hear really a whole lot anymore through Hollywood or through TikTok or things like that. You really just hear this voice um, of, of the writer, you know, and I think that people are naturally blessed with that gift in order to have their heads filled with nonsense stories in order to share with others. I love that. So I, I really wanted to have you on here because, well, partially because we're friends. Par- I mean, I, there's a million reasons why I want to have you on here. <laughs> but I also love that, um, you know, you can hear a ton of podcasts out there with, you know, published authors, self-published authors, you know. Um, but there's so many out there like you who are writers. You absolutely are. You are one of the most prolific writers I know, most people cannot bang out a book in a week. Like the Mm -hmm. amount that you are able to write is insane. Um, But you know, like, yeah, you're not published. Like nobody's ever read your stories besides your, you know, two or three people that you've shared them with. And I think that there's a, like, that's most writers, right? Most people have those stories in them and they're like desperate to get them out there. So I'm just kind of curious, like, as somebody who's just, you know, in that grind, you have your kids, you have your other job, you have your whole life, and then you have this passion, you know, do you have any words of advice or encouragement for other people out there like you that are just on the grind trying to get their stories out? Yeah. Um, for me, like it's my, I used it a lot as like my self healing time, I guess. And like my me time, you know, I don't know. And I don't, you know, I can't speak for a lot of writers because I know a lot of people write for different reasons, right? The reason that why I wrote was because I loved the story and I got to tell the story, you know, and even if I don't like ever get it published, nobody else reads it after this, things like that. Um, I love going back and reading it, you know, like it, it's my own good book. Like I read, act, you know, I read Court of Thorns and Roses um, at least once a year. It's like my go-to or the Harry Potters. We all watch them in November, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's that time. And like for, for this book, like you, you got to be able to love it and do it for yourself. Basically, I guess that's the advice I would do it because if not, people are going to see straight through you, you know, and, and you've got a real chance here to m- make a difference in somebody's life, you know, just by giving them something that they can love and hold on to. And so like, don't waste it on gibberish, like really invest your time and, and love it because people are going to be able to tell. Jess's book isn't out yet, but when it is, I will let you know. In the meantime, if you have a pack of papers that you have fallen desperately in love with, check out my editing services at midwrite.com or reach out to me on Instagram at midwriteworlds. Next month, I'm chatting with someone who represents an emerging part of the book publishing industry that I'm not quite sure anybody really knows what to do with. I'm going to be speaking with Ashley Hazelwood, a book talker and bookstagrammer who has a lot of experience in the social media sphere. I can't wait for that. I know you're going to love it. Until then, have a great month.